all the way from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, by way of Sacramento, California. This is Kings in the North podcast. And now, the starting two for your listening pleasure. Standing six feet four inches tall at a Jesuit high school, the half-Greek freak, Nick Economy. And standing six feet tall out of McClatchy High School, Big Baller Ben. Kings in the North podcast is sponsored by Cash Considerations. For donations, hit up our Patreon. Welcome back to the Sat Kings in the North podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please leave us a like, a review, and a five-star rating on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, now we're here with Big Baller Ben with a little update on last week's Dave Yeager on the hot seat story. Ben, what was uh, what was the article that you read? Um, it was basically just a power struggle between management, which, I mean, always seems... What's new there? Yeah, always seems kind of consistent. Um, the one thing that, that really came came through this week was that, you know, winning kind of masks any problems that, you know, the, the team is facing. But what basically went down is obviously Vladi, the GM, and his sort of revolving door um, cabinet, as you will, um, were basically, I wouldn't say up in arms, but, you know, they were just, there was a, a definite butting of heads between uh, the Vladi side, who obviously signed Nemanja Bialica, and the other uh, front office the assistant psychos, who drafted, or basically forced the Kings into the the uh, Marvin Bagley draft pick, which, you know, has been fine so far. It's putting up some solid minutes. But basically, what was going on was the uh, the identity of the team was um, teetering on the brink, and what really happened was an increase in minutes for Bagley, which we'll get into. So, in a sense, that side sort of won out. But I think we're in a good place as far as Dave's um, position as uh, our skipper, as uh, as they'd say. So, so you wouldn't call this another Mike Malone boogie meningitis situation? No, I I would be I'd honestly be shocked and and appalled um, if Dave was gone mid season. I think I mean. You got to learn from your mistakes at some point, and I don't know. The Kings might I mean, be the only team who don't. Yeah, and then on top of that, that was a different GM. That's not the Vlad father. Yeah. Um, so it is a whole new regime in there. Uh, hopefully, this new regime can learn from history. And if you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat your mistakes. Yeah, I mean for sure. I think the other thing um, that we'll get into is it's not necessarily, you know, a be-all, end-all of Nemanja versus Bagley. It's just navigating when to, you know, put these players in a certain situations. And at a point, the front office shouldn't have any say in that. So I think, again, this week I think we did a good job of putting outside of, you know... Justin Jackson, who was getting beat off the dribble time and time again against Utah the second timeout. And and against in a crucial possession 
against the Warriors right at the end of the game. Yeah, I think other than other than a couple late game situations, I think we had the right you know per player personnel out there on the court, and just you know before we we get into the game's breakdown the breakdown of the last week, that was Marvin Bagley was one of those players. Played played pretty well, but um, let's let's move into the the first game of the week, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, we came in nine and eight. They came in ten and six. They were the hottest team in the West. Yeah, they by were on far. a tear. I think they were in first at that time, or yeah. if not very close to it. And uh, they were a few games without Russ, so he was coming back to a team that had been. Doing okay. As well as he'd been away from the team. Because congratulations, Russell, on the Twins, as we mentioned last week. Yeah. But, um, so, he came back, and I think our star of the game had to be Shumpert. Really just a huge performance. Seems to always turn it on against the Thunder. I don't know. I, I was going to say, I don't know what they did to him, but he, he sure likes torching them. Must be something that he took from LeBron, but only specifically against the Thunder. <laughs> Yeah, this was um, this was good. It was a four quarter game. Um, really came down to the last minute. Yeah, we. I'll say a three quarter game. We we came out pretty flat in in the third. So, but we we really did. We uh, we we played well when it when it counted. Obviously, that's great for the the young team to get in situations like that. Um. Buddy Heald with 25 led the team. We had five players in double figures. Um, you know, minutes went around. Like, you know, again, we were saying Marvin Bagley's like fifth on our team in minutes. He logged 26. Um, Bogey was still coming off the bench, something that would change later in the week. We'll get into that in a second. Um, again, just an in, in overall... Solid win. I was pumped. I love beating the Thunder. I think... I, I don't know if this... Okay, tell me what you think. I think Russell Westbrook is the most overrated player in the league. I I honestly can't agree more. Okay. Um, I think... Good thing we're on the same page I, there. I'm not saying that he's not athletically gifted or extremely talented. I think the player... Or people look at that triple-double season... And the, seasons, yeah, seasons now, but they they overvalue the stats while not looking at what his impact to his team is like. And just look at all the KD's burner accounts that say the same. Yeah, thing. exactly. I mean, if if KD wasn't saying it, it wouldn't be true. To be fair, he had twenty nine, thirteen, and seven against us, but he lost. So what, what does that tell you? Another big game from playoff P. Really? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's having his best season. I think he's leading. He's having a, a career high. I'm not sure if it's in points anymore, but at the at the time of this game, it was a career high across the the statistical board um, uh, early in the year. But uh, I mean, another star performer for them was Haimdo Diallo, um, who later in the week suffered a nasty injury against mm-hmm. the Warriors. So our thoughts and prayers are out for him. Um, Rest in peace, Warriors. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though, to see how his absence... He was a very, probably key, you could say, defensive player, especially with um, 
what's his name? The their other shooting guard. Uh, anyway, with the absence of about? Uh, Andre Roberson, oh, yeah. with him being out, Diallo kind of stepped up in that defensive wing role and probably was more productive on offense. But now that he's gone, it'll be interesting to see if they run a two-point guard backcourt with Schroeder or if TLC can get some minutes. Anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, they perform the rest of the season. They have a pretty strong big three, for sure. Yeah. Uh, key moment in the game, a little, uh, little scrum that broke out under the basket. Obviously, Willie took exception to whatever Russell Westbrook was doing, you know. In hitting, him, hitting him in the head on, in, the, on the foul. In, hard foul. Yeah, in and around the head or neck area. Um, you know, and then Steven Adams gets all this praise for breaking it up, but he got teed up too because he basically just, I don't know, used his... Uh, the yeah, old, I mean, the old Kiwi strength to get Willie but, halfway up into the rafters. Yeah, people are saying that he did nothing wrong except he's just pushing him on to photographers and members of the, the fans there at Golden One. So, really a uh, uh, cheeky performance from that Kiwi. Yeah. Um, you want to move well, on to... Well, well said. Yeah, do you want to move on to, to Vivint Arena in Salt Lake? S- yes, Vivint Smart Home. There it is. All right, so um, another you know another solid fourth or four quarter performance. We came in at ten and eight. Utah eight and ten. Um, this was the first of two meetings this week, uh, home and home with the game in between um, against Utah, and we'll get into it later. This one was featuring uh, Utah's young star Donovan Mitchell. The second one would not be. We'll get into that later. Like I said. Um, this was kind of the the saga of the uh, matchups versus the Jazz this season. They played them three times, and it seems like whoever has a better game between Willie and the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert, is going to come out on top. Uh, we won the game. Well, that even goes back to the preseason. Correct. That last well, we preseason got... game where we got run out of the gym. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really good observation. Uh yeah, if, if we just look at the pure stat line, uh, Willie had 23 to Rudy Gobert's 13. Uh, Rudy Gobert did have 15 rebounds, but that dude's like 7'5", so, I mean, he's going to gobble him up. For the Kings, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 players in double figures matching the season high. This was led by Willie's 23, as I said before, a... Solid game from the both of the Serbian Splash Bros, who each had 18 points. Um, kind of a quiet night from Buddy, only yeah. 10 points, but he, there was enough productivity out of you know the supporting cast and crew to overlook that you know little bit of a point drought. So, yeah, this was I I was impressed with De'Aaron Fox this game because he wasn't off to the hottest start. Early, he found a way to get everyone else involved. He ended with, uh, what, 13? Yeah, 13 assists. Really a great stat line there. 17-13 with yeah, 7 Yeah, and, and he really picked it up on the offensive end, um, creating shots for himself in the second half, finishing with 17 points. He was three rebounds short of a triple-double. Um, just a, a, a great all-around game for D. Fox. Yeah. Just, go ahead. Um, 
you know, it was a interesting matchup. The Kings weren't, I wouldn't say in control the entire time, mm-hmm. but they were a lot more in control for a lot more of the game than we've seen in some of the other wins this season. Yeah. Um, they came out to an early lead. They kind of, you know, let the Jazz crawl back a bit, but then would jump back ahead and, you know, close out the game really strong. So it it was a an interesting one. But, uh, you know, good team win. Yeah. Um, uh, big game from sophomore sensation Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's had a bit of a down year so far. but True sophomore. Yeah, not, <laughs> not rookie of the year Ben Simmons three years running now. Yeah, not can't shoot Ben Simmons. What about Lonzo? Can't shoot ball. That's so true. We'll, get, we'll get to those later. Uh, yeah, no. Donovan Mitchell had 35. Something we'll see later in the week when he was absent. Someone would have to pick up scoring. Evidently, that would be Ricky Rubio and basically the whole team. Um Stepped it up in his absence. Uh, a a measly 12 for Joe Ingles. I thought he was going to torch us in this one. Missed, uh, although they did they did not shoot too well from beyond the arc. So, again, this was a good road victory for the Sack Kings. Um, we'll see later in the week. That obviously we couldn't, you know, replicate it on the, uh, on the in the win loss column, but I think in both of the games we had some solid production from uh, Bogdanovich. I think we had some solid production from De'Aaron Fox. Not so much shooting the ball in in the second game, but I think. Again, the, the 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 big difference, the one takeaway, is we got the win in Utah because Willie Collie's time showed up. We lost the game at home for a multitude of reasons, but we let's just pin it on Willie because why not? <laughs> we'll get to other reasons why we lost later, but for now, you want to go uh, travel a little bit west and hit up Oracle Arena. In Oakland, California. Yeah, sure thing. Um, one of the most frustrating losses in recent Kings history. This one, I wasn't that ticked off with this game. But, obviously, frustrate any loss is frustrating. I mean, it was just such a winnable game. Yeah. There were two or three different plays we could have made to really seal the game. And we didn't do any of them. Yeah, I think... So, what what was I mean? Just looking at you know through the uh, the four the four quarters of scoring, the Kings really dropped the ball in the fourth on you know more than one level. But the Warriors only put up twenty two points in the fourth quarter. The Kings only put up twenty three. I think if we could have rebounded the ball, obviously, but if we could have just gotten to the foul line and you know the classic points when the clock is stopped, we could have easily taken this game for a multitude of reasons that. That one, that one jumped out at me. Is you know we kind of play, I wouldn't say played down because they're you know world champs. better team. Yeah. But I think we did not take advantage of the fact that two of their four Hall of Famers weren't out there. I think we were late to double Durant. If ever, I think I mean Shumpert played the best defense on Kevin Durant I've seen in a long time. Um, 
So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the box or the team stats here right now. You want to know what the, the difference between a win and a loss was? The four free throws more that the Warriors made than the Kings, which represents a 14% difference because we took the same 29 free throws. Mm-hmm. We make our four, they make their four. Or they make what they did make, yeah. and we would have been out of out of goal or out of Oracle with a win. Yeah, we also just get you know grab a board for once. Yeah, we over Clay Thompson, not that difficult. Yeah, I mean, I think like we were talking that that's something that Marvin Bagley will obviously learn with uh, experience. A guy going to his right, throwing a a real lofty layup like that. The board's coming off to the right. There's no reason to be standing at the left block. Yeah, I mean, it. I wouldn't say inexcusable, but it, I guess it was. So, so it's a rookie mistake. He'll he'll figure it out hopefully. Yeah the the uh, the Kings had six players in double figures. This was the first night of a back to back. I'd say I'm going to go as far as to say breakout performance for Harry Giles. Um, he had ten points in eleven minutes in this one. Against Utah at home, the Donovan Mitchell less Utah filled the stat line like nothing else. Had some great plays, some great passes. Um, what are you gonna say? One, one, one thing I really did like uh, about this Warriors game, um, De'Aaron Fox had a pretty off night shooting wise, yeah. but he was really good at getting other guys involved mm-hmm. and really good in getting guys that he knows like can put up points when he's not there and keeping guys involved throughout the game. To ensure that we stay in this game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good development in his second year. And I think really promising moving forward. Yeah. Other than... I, I agree with that. Other than the Bagley miscue on the you know the rebound, the ball watching. And the tip-in. That's true. Well, that's a whole other story. But he got fouled if you look yeah, at Katie, a huge he gets push. him in the back. So, it's a whole other thing. Bagley, though. Played... Some solid minutes, 34 minutes, played like the whole fourth quarter. Had a monster game, 20.17 rebounds. That's a career high in boards, people. Um, we always talk about the Bielitsa effect. When we, you know, when he does well, we win. Well, guess what? He had one point, and we lost. So Closer than it is a lot of the time, but still not what we're looking for out of him. Yeah, team high 28 by Buddy Love. Um, nice little... Exchange of words between him and Steve Kerr. The the uh, the whole Warriors squad had good things to say about the Kings. KD in particular uh, noticed De'Aaron Fox's jump in play from last season to this season. Clay Thompson, the only person on the Warriors I actually respect, um, basically just said this team is so much better. This season, in every aspect of the ball, he he specifically noted the twenty eight, uh, I believe twenty eight assists to seven turnovers, wonderful ratio. He said, and you know what does Clay Thompson know except for the fact that he's like the greatest, one of the greatest shooters ever, and a three time champ. He thinks so. Then why not? I think that this uh, this Kings team is going to be. Right around the playoff hunt the whole year. I don't know, you know, if we're winning 40 games, I'm still going to say no. But, you know, if Clay says it, why not? Um, obviously, on the other end, like I said before, 
Shumpert played some good defense on Kevin Durant. What does that actually mean when the guy scores 44? But we did kind of shut him down in the fourth quarter. We, we shut him down when it mattered. I mean, that last play where he had the chance to to hit that go-ahead bucket. And, you know, Draymond's in his ear. Yeah. He, well, he took the shot. It bricked out. We get a rebound there. We have a good chance to seal it with a couple free throws. Unfortunately, we don't get the rebound. Falls right into Iguodala's hands, who gives it to Clay, And then we miss another rebound. Um, but mainly what I was trying to get at was that Kevin Durant really struggled in crunch time, but they were bailed out by Clay Thompson and our inability to rebound. Um, but really, just a big night for two of the five All-Stars on that team. Yeah, this was a two-man show for sure. And that's why they're the two All-Stars. So, you know, uh, it it's something that, as a young team, we should learn from. Learn to try to shut down guys that are going to be good. Yeah, and Sean Livingston missed two straight shots for like the first time ever. So that was kind of interesting. Maybe it's time to hang it up. Who knows? Um, you know, the replacement knees can't go forever. No, he's still probably got a couple years. I mean, even if he doesn't, he could be a <laughs> damn good like coach. Or, you know, like the Steve Nash role that he was helping out with the Warriors. Yeah. But um, you want to move on to... To today's game at Golden One Center. Yeah, sure thing. I would just like to say before that, um, we we have the Warriors again coming up next month. This one's at home. Um, obviously, they're probably going to have the four All Stars back, so that just makes this one a little more heartbreaking. On to speaking of heartbreaking, on to a game that we really. I'd say drop the ball. Well, I, I I, mean, it was close at half, but I'd say this is almost a schedule loss. Uh, you, you're playing... It's the fourth game in the week. It's your, the second night of a back-to-back. We did have an opportunity with, with as you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell not being, being, being absent. With the rib injury. Yeah, but... Uh, one thing I was just looking at with this game is that, like we were talking about with Utah, the matchup... Of Gobert and Willie, I thought, and it shows what I know, that with Willie being in foul trouble so consistently throughout the previous game, he only logged 20 minutes. Uh, that was a team low for the starters. I thought that that would equate to a fresher Willie Trill in the, you know, Willie. Gobert tr- trilogy now. Um, that is not what happened at all. Uh, Rudy Gobert had 18 to Willie Trill's 6. Only logged 4 rebounds. Um, but you're right. It was it was a tough, you know, a tough sell on the back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, where we, where we also lost this game is on that offensive board. Mm-hmm. They had 6 more offensive rebounds than us. And seven more total shots than us. But we're also shooting at a higher clip. So, I mean, we don't... We, we box out a little better. We get more boards. And this might have been a different game. But, you know, rebounding's a lot of heart, a lot of effort. And in that second game in two nights and weird scheduling times for these games. Yeah, because now we have like four days off, so... Yeah. Who knows what Adam Silver's smoking. Yeah, get, get, get Adam on the phone. 
The other thing that was interesting about this game is we got to see Bogey in the starting lineup for the first time this year. Um, he had 20 points. I think he shot just under 50%. Like, it wasn't an awful night, but, you know, a, a solid a solid uh, first start for Bogdanovich. This was uh, due to the fact that the, uh, Shumpert was a healthy scratch. He's actually in a suit looking, uh, looking pretty good behind the bench. I think, I mean... Coming off that surgery last year, probably just to protect his yeah for sure. His knee, so um, I think, I mean, obviously we couldn't we couldn't uh, pick that up as far as you know bench production. Bogdanovich adds fifteen to twenty points off the bench. Well, as you mentioned though, Harry Giles did have a huge night off the bench, two rebounds and four assists away from a triple double in just. Tw- 20 minutes. Yeah, I pretty, mean, pretty good numbers. I'd say his uh, his his 10 points were, you know, a little a little average for uh, for someone, you know, looking to make a huge impact off the bench, but where where he was the strongest was the in the assist column, I would say. As someone who is a purveyor of the pass, I I love a good assist. This dude's court vision for for his age is, I mean, honestly, on our team, it's second to none. This is really a two K stat line, though. Twenty points and filling up the or twenty minutes and filling the stat sheet. Yeah. In those minutes is something out of a video game. So really good night from him. Really promising after an early season struggle adjusting, but it is his rookie season, quote unquote. So another poor. Uh, Poor shooting night for De'Aaron, especially in the first half. The 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 thing that that really hurt us was he couldn't you know get other people involved. I obviously like he would want. I mean like like we the fans would want. He only had three assists, uh, thirteen points, three assists in twenty six minutes. Another solid game from Marvin with eighteen and six in thirty minutes. If you compare this to Bielitz's eighteen, as we were saying before, we're you know. We're giving Marvin the crunch time minutes. Um, we'll get into it later, but I think one thing Bielitsa should really, I don't know, not take advantage of, but just be more aware of is now that he's in this, I wouldn't say limited role because he's still getting about 20 minutes, but he should be looking to shoot the ball any chance he gets. Anytime he's open. Any, he, anytime. He's really a knockdown shooter at an elite rate right now. And until he regresses to that mean, I want to see that ball flying out of his hands. Yeah. Uh, another interesting little fact about Bagley and his increase in playing time. He played 29 and a quarter minutes this last week in the four games, which is a lot higher than before uh, Monday's game against the Thunder. He was averaging around 24 minutes. So look at, look, keep tracking that and see how that article might have a lot of weight to it about differences between uh, maybe the assistant GM and Jaeger. Um, yeah, uh, another person who had a huge game for the Jazz, Ricky Rubio, he had a Clay Thompson-like first quarter, putting up 19 points. Uh, yeah, I mean, really I, effective. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's uh, between Rubio's 27, Joe Ingles 18, and Rudy Gobert's 18. 
they really picked up the slack as far as uh, missing Donovan Mitchell's. Oh, even Derek Favors with that kind of resurgent eleven. Yeah, and Grayson Allen, who's god awful, who I called it. I mean, he'll probably get better, but that dude shooting like thirty three percent from the field. Um, even he contributed with a uh, nine points. So yeah, we dropped uh, we dropped those final two. We went into the week at. You know, with all the problems or lack thereof, at 500 we came out 500. So Sacramento, keep proving me wrong. I was thinking, you know, it shows. What do I know? I'm thinking we're losing four games. We we end up going two and two. So now coming up this week, you know, slow week as as far as it goes. We only got two games. We got a bunch of time off. The last game in November to to cap off a very you know unpredictably. Good November. I mean, yeah. we none of neither of us expected to to be five hundred through November. We were thinking maybe four wins at the most, and this is a pretty uh, exciting time for us fans. Yeah, like I was saying uh, to someone last week, who knows um, that we uh, won our tenth game five weeks before um, we did in the previous season, and. Uh, Grant Napier put it really well in uh, in the Jazz game. If you told the fans we'd be 10-10 and 10, um, after 20 games before the season, we'd all be popping bottles of champagne. So, I mean, this is definitely something to write home about. Uh, a 500 record after 20 games. So, let's, uh, let's get into next week. So, next week sees us playing... The L.A. Clippers, as well as the Indiana Pacers. Two teams that have, you know, kind of overperformed. Yeah. But maybe this is actually how good they really are. Um, so, notes on L.A. I, Doc Rivers is still around, uh, even after trading away the prodigal son, Austin Rivers. <laughs> uh, but they're having a resurgent season at the... Two with, words for L.A. Tobias Harris. What about three words from L.A.? Shea Gilgis-Alexander. All right. One of the longest names in the league. So those five words, they really, you know, they make up the Clippers. uh, The loss of Blake and and, uh, DeAndre. We'll make it seven words. Boban, not going to try the last name. But it's it's a pretty much, much more complete roster than... We were really expecting, and as of now, they are first place in the West with, uh, what, half a game lead over the Warriors? Yeah. Or is it a full game? I can't really tell. No. I, that, oh, they're tied for first. They're even, but with the Warriors have played two more. nonsense. Yeah, and the Warriors have played two more games. Yeah. So, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, I think, I mean, Patrick Beverly is still... Uh, an all NBA defensive player. Um, who's the shooting guard on that team? Avery Bradley, mm-hmm. another very talented defensive player. So this team should be pretty defensively strong. Um, you know, I think it, it's a tough game, but the Kings have always done well against the Clippers, even going back to the Boogie Chris Paul rivalry. Uh, I, I'm actually going to predict a win. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the the Clippers they got win against the Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, you know, 
This is if if we get the win here, I'm all in, and I might add the old uh, 2019 NBA champs to my tattoo. But um, no, I think if we just come out like I always say this. So let me say something new. If we play, if we come out in the second half, set the tone in the third quarter, which is something that has hurt us in basically every loss, I think we have a great shot at getting this win. Obviously, basketball is a game of runs, and the Kings seem to come out slow or or hot. It's always so inconsistent in the first quarter, and that never seems to matter. So I think if we come out with and have a solid third quarter, we get the win. I'm putting it. That's that's my uh, prediction. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do your what city what song pick for LA? Uh, sure. Actually, we'll, let, we'll get let, back to it. Let's hold that. Let's yeah, hold we'll, off. We'll for come a back to what city what song. Everybody's favorite segment, aside from Dirty Dan's hot take of the week. Um. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move ahead to Indiana, Indianapolis. Yeah. This game's on Saturday. Oh, one more thing. The Clipper game, if you're there, get rowdy. This game's on TNT. So make Sacramento look, you know, like the... I mean, we are. We're the greatest fans, so show it. Um, on, on the Indy, the, uh, the Pacers, another team who were a, basically a quarter away from knocking out the Cavs in the first round last year. Um, a team that I actually thought would, um, I mean, they're, they're a solid club. I actually thought they were going to be, it is early, a little, uh, a little, a little higher in the standings, but then that was before the old, uh, Kawhi to Toronto deal and the emergence of Giannis as the greatest player ever. So the Pacers sit at 11 and eight, they're fifth in the Eastern conference. And, yeah, I'm going to put them as a lock for the Eastern Conference playoffs. Because yeah, I mean, I don't why, see why they wouldn't make it. Why not? And uh, I think this is this is a good matchup for Sacramento. Yeah, they really have about three pieces that are, I mean, future pieces that are going to be really good in Oladipo, in Miles Turner, and in DeMontis Sabonis. Um but outside of those three, they have a bunch of, like, you know, swingmen, been around the league, journeymen, uh, like guys like Tyreek, guys like uh, another former king, Darren Collison, you know, good old point guard. So they're, they're an interesting team built of some really promising young guys and a lot of filler, but productive filler. Which is often a good postseason recipe. And now, everyone's favorite segment. What city, what song? Obviously, this is where we pick a song from the upcoming games. We only have two for you this week. So, you know, I'm a little sad about that one. We got the Clippers of Los Angeles. And we have the Pacers of Indiana. Um, Alright, I'll go first. In 1970, the Buffalo Braves were added as an expansion franchise. Eight years later, that'd be 78 for all you people who can't do math. Damn. <laughs> they moved to San Diego, the San Diego Clippers, hence the name. 
And then six years later, they moved to L.A. Because we've already picked L.A. I'm going back to San Diego. I'm going to pick the Drake and Josh theme song. Filmed in, uh, obviously not filmed in San Diego, but set in San Diego. A uh, The Goat Weatherman. Yeah. A Mr. Wonder- Nichols. A wonderful show. Papa Nichols, the grandpa. Yeah. World War II vet. Thanks yeah. for your service. Um, honestly, too too many quotes to count. For this one, you also could have picked... Basketball spherical, dude. Spherical. That's true. For this one, you also could have picked uh, Blink-182. Obviously, out of San Diego, you could have picked uh, Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder. Because Eddie Vedder's from San Diego. Um, you could have picked Post Malone because Syracuse is close enough to Buffalo. Um, well, for that to matter, just and, well, go ahead. So my pick this week, going off of this trend of being all over the United States, is is an old time classic by the Man in Black, Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere because mm. it seems like this Clippers team has been everywhere and might be on the move again sometime soon. Balmer says Inglewood, but you know his heart's heart is saying Seattle. So. Who knows? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Uh, but, yeah, Johnny Cash. Uh, that's a solid one. Um, Alright. Tito, Marlon, Jackie, Jermaine, and Michael. The Jackson Five. Out of Gary, Indiana. With their 1978 hit. 1978. The same year the Clippers moved from Buffalo to San Diego. 1978 hit. Blame it on the boogie. Pick this one. Because the Kings weren't winning, we blamed Boogie. Um, this is for Indiana. Yeah. This because is Indiana. Gary, Cause, Indiana. Because of the Jackson 5. Yeah. They, they get it. They're smart enough to get that. Anyway, for my Indiana pick, I picked somebody right out of a suburb of Indianapolis. Mr. John. Mr. Cougar. No longer Cougar. Mellencamp. Mm. Uh, I picked the song Hurt So Good because... That's what that's what Victor Oladipo is going to be saying after chasing De'Aaron around for 48 minutes. All right, that's a pretty solid one. Also could have picked John Cougar, John Deere, John 316. That's a Toby Keith. It's probably like, you know, top five clothes. greatest. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, that's probably like top five greatest songs of the past, of the 21st century. Um, but there we go. We only got two teams for you. Um. If you guys have any good submissions, send us an email at kingsinthenorthpod at gmail.com. We want to hear what you guys like for what city, what song. And if yours is good enough, we'll feature it on the show. Maybe. But until next week, when we got a whole new set of cities, a whole new set of songs. And maybe even some Mariah for Christmas. Good point. Alright, so... We're basically a fourth. You can't really slice it up like that because 82 is not divisible like that. Um, Basically a fourth of the way through the season. Something they do in the NFL is evaluate the team's performance every four games because 16 is divisible like that. So 20, close enough. We're 10 and 10, 20 games in. We're going to evaluate the team on a whole. And here we go. The Kings are at the forefront of the fastest pace of play in 30 years since the stat was recorded in 1988. We're up from dead last to second in pace. 
We're first in overall team speed. Um, got a couple dudes running like four two forties out there, and scoring is up from ninety eight points to one hundred fourteen a game, which is the highest jump in a decade, ten years. So those are the positives. We run and we score. What are the negatives? Defense. I guess it's a little skewed defense around the league because scoring's up for everyone. But this is one thing that the Kings are particularly bad at. Can't guard the paint. We're 28 in net defensive rating within 5 feet and 23rd in net defensive rating within 10 feet. Why? Willie Cauley-Stein is 58th amongst centers and blocks. The next closest starting center, quote-unquote starting, um, is Dwight. Proving that it's not 2008 anymore, where he averaged three a game. Just because I looked it up and I figured you guys would want to know it. The best clip all time, 5.5 blocks a game. Over 82 games by jazz legend Mark Eaton, who was tasked with guarding Michael in the finals because there was so much switching. He's a combo forward really at the forefront of that movement. He ended his career second all-time in blocks with an astounding... See, this is crazy. I love looking this stuff up. 3.5 a game. Nerd. Back to Willie. One thing he is good at on the defensive end. Steals. Long arms really gets gets involved. 1.6 steals a game, which is sixth among centers right now. So this, in my mind, this uh, begs the question... With Willie's performance with the, you know, the extended minutes with putting Marvin at the three, which is kind of odd. Um, are we propping, this is a question to you, are we propping Willie up for a trade? Is Marvin the heir apparent at center with this increase in minutes the last week? You know, I I wouldn't mind seeing Willie shipped out. I don't think Marvin is a true center in any means. Especially defensively, just being so undersized. Um, I, I got actually a pair of the Puma Clyde uh, shoes, and they have about a two-inch sole. So he's listed at what six foot nine. He's probably closer to about six 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 seven. Pause it. Correction: listed at six eleven. Really, probably closer to six nine. Anyway, uh, but back yeah, well, to the original. What is two inches? Am I right, fellas? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot when you're going against Gobert at seven foot a million. That's true. Um, but when you're talking about possibly shipping off Willie, um, it's interesting to think about, especially in a contract year, not knowing if we're if we want to give him an extension or re-sign him as a, a restricted free agent in the off season. Um, you know, Willie has played well. I think there's a couple teams that might be in the market for a rim-running big who can run the floor like he can. Um, Perspective trades that I've seen, you know, Jalen Brown and maybe a first-round Celtics pick, not their Memphis or our pick, um, for Willie and uh, a couple of seconds. Um, Or... So that would at least get us a first-rounder. I mean, it wouldn't be that lottery boy that we all want. Yeah. That would get us a pick. And that's better than nothing. Um, another one is Torian Prince. And uh, I forget the other guy's name, but one of their deep bench small forwards on the Hawks. For Willie and Scal, who's voiced his dis- 
satisfaction with the limited amount of minutes he's gotten this season. Basically, um, just garbage time minutes for Scal. Yeah, he hasn't shown much improvement, but I digress. Another interesting trade option, um, especially if Atlanta were to throw in a future pick 2021-2020 range. Um, and finally, a another the, the only Western Conference team I could see the flawed father sending Willie to would be the Phoenix Suns as they're awful. <laughs> um, and I could see a package deal of Shumpert and Willie Cauley-Stein for Trevor Ariza plus a pick as Trevor's on a $15 million salary, and that's a lot to absorb, um, especially because I think it's a three-year deal too. So that would be an interesting one for Vladi to bounce around, see if Vivek's getting hot and bothered by it. And that and that would obviously mean, uh, uh, not Marvin, Willie would take more of a uh, backup role player type type role there. I think he oh no they're they're pretty similar to to DeAndre Ayton, pretty similar in play style, but DeAndre Ayton just much more of a physical specimen. Um so much more of a bust potential. Yeah, but also much more of a 20 point 20 rebound a night potential. So uh yeah, an it's interesting question. Two words. Sophomore slump. Talk to me next year about DeAndre. Um. Anyway, a, an interesting perspective on a trade. Uh, could definitely be a, a main piece in a move to get a pick this year. Yeah. Um. All right, and uh, back to the old evaluation of the Kings. One last point before we let you guys go is three-point shooting. Something that has become. Uh, you know, uh, a factor in almost every team's success in the league. Right now, we're 25th in the league in three-point attempts. Obviously, uh, Bogey's now working back towards full uh, 100% health. He was in the starting lineup for the first time this season this week. I think we should be looking to shoot more from three. It's like we said, now that Bielitz is getting less than 20 minutes a game, it seems like. This dude should be jacking up threes like there's no tomorrow at the percentage he's shooting. Which is number one in the league. It's actually number two. Number two in the league, sorry. After the other Bogdanovich, Bojan. Um, yeah, belly shooting like 51%. Uh, that's better than Steph. Don't mind the fact that Steph has nearly hit two times the amount of threes. 62 to 33, respectively, as of the time of this recording. Um, but the other the other thing with the three, can't forget about Buddy Love. We got an, another player in the top 20 in Buddy shooting about 44%. Both Belly and Buddy um, are shooting about six or seven threes a game. So not a small number by any means, but why not shoot more? I mean, you can't win the lotto if you don't buy a ticket, as they say. So I think these two guys, I think Bogdanovich... His strength is the drive and kick as well as the three-pointer. So maybe he shouldn't shouldn't be jacking up threes like there's no tomorrow. He He's can't, a great passer. He can make them. Uh, we all know. I'm just saying, as far as Buddy, I'd rather have him shooting five more threes than you know missing the long two, which he seems to have fallen in love with this season. Um, still shooting at an amazing rate. But for Bielitsa, um, it's, you know, with the decreased minutes, get your shots up. You're making them. Like I was saying, Belly 
and Buddy are shooting less threes per game than people like Jay Crowder and Donovan Mitchell, who we just saw, who were shooting like 30% a game. Um, the, the last little evaluation is kind of just, it you know deals with all the stuff I've talked about. We're marketing ourselves as a fun place to play. That's kind of how we emerged at the turn of the uh, millennium, the, the glory days, as, as a, a successful franchise. We marketed ourselves as a fun place to play, but obviously we all know what happened there was we traded J-Will. The trade of J-Will really put us over the top, obviously for the pre-steroid Mike Bibby. Shout out Mike Bibby. Looking great. Um, drawing that back into this team, does that mean we're you know going to trade one of our young players like De'Aaron Fox for the next big thing? I hope not. Um, that's my evaluation. One fourth into the season, twenty games in, so much better than we and anyone could have hoped for. Yeah, at, exceeding at 10, all expectations. At ten and ten, I think this is. This is uh, the turning point. This is a this is a special season. Even if we only end up winning thirty, you know, thirty five games, I I still don't. That is a success in my book. And uh, to wrap things up, I want to give a special shout out to the UBC men's rugby team. Took home the Canada national championship at the university level today, beating Queen's University. Um, and in the match, Dan got a boo-boo on his knee, so he will not be appearing today. Dan, feel better soon. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Good day, lads.